If you guys don't know, my name is Dustin Lister. I am the uh, student director here at OSC in Jennings. So I lead all the youth and the students here, me and my wife, and we love it, love it, love it, love it. Uh, if you guys don't know, I gave my life to the Lord actually at OSC Youth in Jennings 11 years ago. And so I believe in it, I believe in it. Uh, and so I'm married, for those of you guys who don't know, uh, to a beautiful wife, my beautiful wife named Ashley. She's here in the front row. Um, love my wife well. And so I also have a two-year-old son. His name is Emerson. Um, he's super cool, super goofy, and I love him to death. And so that's my family. I'll tell you guys a little bit about my family. So me and Ashley, we love hiking. We love hiking. If you guys are a student in here, you guys already know this because I talk about it all the time, how much I love hiking. If I'm honest with you, I hadn't been hiking in a minute. And so if you're close to me, you know that I'm like, man, like, I, want, I just want to go hiking. Man, I just want to go hiking because I love hiking. I literally have a dream to hike all over the world and to just see all the amazing views. Uh, I have a dream to hike the Appalachian Trail. Um, for those of you guys who don't know, it takes like six months to hike it. I'm not about to probably hike the whole thing in one go, but I do have a dream to hike uh, the Appalachian Trail. And so I love hiking. I haven't hiked much outside of Louisiana, really. Um, I've hiked in Arkansas and I've hiked in Alabama and I've actually I've hiked in New Mexico, but not much else outside of that. I typically hike in Louisiana. Um, and I know you're maybe thinking like, is there places to hike in Louisiana? There is. There is. There's a mountain right there in Welsh, she said. I don't hike that mountain, that's for sure. Um, and so, yeah, so I do. I hike, um, I hike uh, what's, what is my favorite, really, trail. I've hiked a few other trails outside of, the, out of, uh, outside of Louisiana, but my favorite trail really is in Louisiana. It's called the Backbone Trail. Um, the Backbone Trail is in Kasachie National Forest, which is in kind of northern central Louisiana. It's, so the Backbone Trail is between Natchitoches and Alexandria. For those of you guys who are familiar with that area, that's about where it's at. I can't give you like directions because it's like way out in the middle of nowhere. It's really hard to find, but I love it. I lo How many of you guys are like hiking? Yeah, hardly any of you, right? Okay, a few of you. Okay, so how many of you guys like hunting? Yeah, okay, a lot more of you, because it's, I like hiking the same reason why y'all like hunting. I just like being out in the wilderness. I just don't come home with free meat. I just, I, just, I come home with, uh, with sore legs is what happens. <laughs> but uh, I hike the Backbone Trail. I love the Backbone Trail. It is, for those of you guys who've never been on it, which is most of you, um, it is a circle. It's a loop trail. It's 10 miles long, okay? So it's a 10 mile long. Some of you are like, man, that is a lot. Oh, that's a long trail. Some of you are like, that's not bad. Um, it's really not. It's not that bad. Until you get to about the middle of it, I'm not going to lie, it starts getting hilly in the middle of it. And after hiking five miles, you're like, oh, I don't want to hike up this, this hill. But smack dab in the middle, after you've hiked about six or seven miles and, and you've kind of gone up and down, you, you get to this hill and it's like way up there and you're like, oh, I don't wanna hike this. But you hike up it and it's an amazing, amazing view. It's like my favorite kind of place in all of Louisiana It's just this view. I, don't, I wish I had a picture of it, but even pictures don't really do it justice. Um, so I have a picture of the first time I brought a group of guys to 
Kasachi. Uh, this is the first time I brought a group of guys to Kasachi. That's me and just some other guys. We were, you, we, we might look prepared in this picture, but we were not prepared. I'm just letting you guys know now. I was like, I thought I had it all together. I had the like, you know, the water uh, thing, the water bladder and all that kind of stuff. I bought like a 60 liter hiking backpack. Okay. So like I was ready. I had this big, huge hiking backpack. I thought I was the real deal. I was like, I'm going to be prepared. Like I'm not, I'm going to be comfortable. I'm going to put Chef Boyardee cans in it, right? I'm going to put, I'm going to load it up with beef jerky with all kinds of snacks. I had my tent in there. I was ready to go. Y'all, when I tell you that I was the worst off of all of this group of guys, my backpack was so heavy. Like by the end of the trail, we were literally taking turns with my backpack because it was so heavy. I've recently learned to hike better. Um, but I knew this trail, I knew the Backbone Trail because about uh, by how it was burned. About one third of it, I don't know what happened, but right before, uh, right before I started hiking this trail, uh, I guess someone was camping and lit a fire and then either didn't put it out all the way or it got out of hand and it literally burned like half of this forest, uh, of this trail down. Maybe more, more like a third of this, this trail. And so I knew the trail by how it was after the fire. I knew the trail by how, how it was after the fire was done. And if you guys are taking notes with me today, that's what I'm titling my message. I'm calling it After the Fire. After the Fire. I believe many of us are coming out of fires right now that um, us as a world, culturally, we're coming out of a fire, right? Out of um, a pandemic that was a fire and we're coming out of it. Culturally, as even, I mean, uh, community-wise as a state, we're coming out of a fire, right? We had two hurricanes, Hurricane Laura and Delta, and we are coming finally out of that fire. Many of us are going through fires individually. I just was the pallbearer for, a, uh, for a, uh, someone I knew pretty well this past Friday, and family devastated, friends devastated. That was a fire. Many of us have lost loved ones recently. That was a fire. Many of you are going through rough marriages. That's a fire. Family issues, that's a fire. Many of us are coming out of fires, but my question I have for you is what happens after the fire? What happens when the flames are done and you're left with trees that are burnt and charred up? What happens, how do we navigate through life after the fire? So I got married, right, after that picture. I got married and I uh, graduated college, and so I went to full time at my job. And so I couldn't, I couldn't really go hike. I didn't have the time to really go hiking as much anymore. And so, uh, and so, uh, I, it took probably three, four, maybe even five years for me to get back on uh, hiking the Backbone Trail. I had a friend of mine who was like, "Dude, look, I know you can't go." both days, because, you know, we typically hike half, stay at that really awesome view, sleep at the really awesome view, and then hike the rest the next day. And he's like, uh, he's like, let's just do it all in one day. Let's just hike all 10 miles in one day. And I'm like, all right, let's do it. <laughs> and so we did it. 
And we're like, you know what? We're gonna just go. We're gonna get up real, real early, and we're gonna hike it. And then we're gonna be done by back by. We're gonna be back by dinner time. We're gonna be good. We were not back by dinner time. <laughs> we weren't. Um, I'll tell you why. Because we got lost. <laughs> we got lost on the trail. And now, hear me out. This trail. Um, is hard to follow. Like you say it's a trail, sometimes it's not a trail. <laughs> sometimes you're just hoping you're going in the right direction. Um, I had a, literally had a friend of mine who went and got lost, had to call search and rescue on this trail because he got lost. And so, but I knew it. I knew the trail, right? I had been on it many other times before. And so I, I was very familiar with how the trail was. I knew when the trail wasn't anymore. I knew what markers to look for but I still got lost, why? Because a few years had passed and the trees had grown back. The vegetation had grown back. It wasn't the same forest that I was used to. It wasn't the same trail that I had traveled down before. It was something new and it was something different and because of that, I got lost. And I think that's the case with a lot of us after the fire that when we start getting into this newness, right? This, things are different now. Things are going a different way. I'm not, I can't turn to that person I used to turn to because they're gone now. We have a tendency to find ourselves lost. We don't know where to go. We don't know what to do. We don't know what directions to take. We don't know where to turn. And it's because we're navigating through a new, a new normal which is a term that is thrown around a lot lately, but it's so true for many of us. A lot of us, if not all of us in this room, are going through new normals. But how do we navigate through that new normal? We're used to living in the fire. We're not used to living outside of the fire. And so, What is the solution to that? How do we navigate through life after the fire? Luckily, there's an after the fire story in the Bible that many of you guys probably already know. Many of you guys have probably, if you've been in children's church long enough, you know this story, you know this, uh, the, uh, it's, it's a very common children's church story. If you've been in church long enough, you've heard this. But let's see how many of you guys know this story. We're gonna do a little, we're gonna play a little game. Hey, I'm over the youth, we play games in youth. So uh, we're gonna play a little game, uh, a little word association game. So I'm gonna say a word and you tell me what comes after, okay? You guys got that simple. So if I say taco, you say? Bell. Bell. If I say orange, you say? Juice, good job. If I say ice, you say? Cream. Cream. Good job. If I say screw, you say? Driver. Driver. <laughs> Screwdriver. I don't know who said that. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> All right. So if I say Shadrach, Meshach, you say Abednego. Abednego. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, as you guys, many of you know, um, had a fire story, right? Um, you got, a lot of you guys know it. You got, a lot of you guys shouted Abednego. If you guys don't know, I'll give you guys kind of the, little, the real quick abridged version. Is, um, so this guy, his name is King Nebuchadnezzar. 
Uh, we're going to be talking about King Nebuchadnezzar a lot this morning. King Nebuchadnezzar had this idol, this golden image that he wanted everyone to worship, okay? And so um, word gets back to him that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are like, these three dudes are like, hey, I ain't following your idol. And so he says, go get them and bring them to me. And they're like, okay. And so they go and they bring them and they said, hey, you're going to worship this idol. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are like, nah, fam, I ain't doing that. That's not happening. I'm not worshiping your idol. Um, I'm going to worship my God. And so here's the thing about King Neb is King Neb has an anger problem, okay? We're going to see that today. We're going to see that through, through Scripture. And so he gets mad, right? He gets mad at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he's like, you know what? We're going to throw you into a fiery furnace. I'm going to throw you into a fire pit. And then you know what? I'm going to light it seven times hotter than we normally light it. That's how mad I am at you because you're defying me. So they throw him in there. It says that literally the people who threw them in the fire got burned. That's how hot it was. And so King Neb is like looking down at the furnace and he's like, yeah, like, I'm, and then he's like waiting for like, you know, probably like the screams of pain or something like that and nothing's happening. It's quiet. And he looks down into the pit and not only does he see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but he sees one other person as well. There's four people in the pit. God himself shows up in the fire for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And it says that when they came out, not even like a hair on their head was singed. They were not touched by the fire because God showed up in the fire. And so King Nebuchadnezzar um, was like, whoa, like this is the real deal, right? I mean, if you saw that, I think you would think it's the real deal, right? I mean, you'd be like, all right, God is real, definitely. I would would think that that's right. Um, And so he starts, he says like, man, He starts to say in, so uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that story is in Daniel chapter 3. And so at the end of Daniel chapter 3, King Neb's like, dude, like, their God is the God. He's the only God. Like, he's the only God who can do this. And so that's where we're picking up scripture, our scripture for today, in Daniel chapter 4. So that happened at the end of Daniel chapter 3. And so we're picking up today at the beginning of Daniel chapter 4. Daniel chapter 4, starting in in verse 1, it says this. It says, King Nebuchadnezzar, to all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell on the earth. So let's stop there. So he's saying like, what he's about to say, he's saying to everyone, everyone and anyone who can hear him. He's saying, uh, he's saying, what he's about to say, he's saying to everyone. He says, peace be multiplied to you. Keep going. It has seemed Good to me to show the signs and wonders that the Most High God has done for me. How great are his signs! How mighty are his wonders! His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. His dominion endures from generation to generation. King Nebuchadnezzar here saw God show up in the fire, literally, and he's shouting from the mountaintops how amazing our God is. And he's doing that, and it's awesome. He, he had just had a God experience. And so what happens when that feeling goes away, though? What happens when we find ourselves not having that feeling that we once had? What happens after the fire. Watch what, in the scripture right after 
uh, verses one through three. He says, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at ease in my house. I was prospering in my palace. So that's easy, right? He's like, man, I saw God show up. I saw God move. This is awesome. This is amazing. I'm doing great. I'm doing awesome. Like, you know, God's really moving. And then he says, then he says, I saw a dream that made me what? Afraid. As I laid in bed, the fancies and the visions of my head alarmed me. So I made a decree that all the wise men of Babylon should be brought before me, that they might make known to me the interpretation of the dream. So he's, he said, like he sees God move, he, and, and, and he does amazing things. He's shouting from the mountaintops how awesome and amazing God is, and this is great, and this is awesome. And then he has a bad dream, and it shakes him to his core. It causes him to be afraid, and he starts, causing, uh, uh, he starts calling all these wise men, and then they can't interpret the dream, so he calls the magicians, the enchanters, the Chaldeans, and the astrologers came in. And I told them the dream, but they could not make known to me its interpretation. Like they couldn't make known to him the interpretation. It makes no sense, right? How can he see God move? How can he see literally God show up in the fire and then him have a bad dream and now he's turning to Harry Potter and Doctor Strange? <laughs> like it makes no sense. He's turning to magicians and sorcerers and, and, and people who don't have the answer. How did he, how was he so quick to go back to where he used to? See, the, we, can, we can joke around and, and, and talk about how stupid that seems that King Neb would turn back to all these crazy people and do these crazy things after his dream, right after he saw God move, or we can be honest with ourselves and be truthful to the fact that we have a lot of the same tendencies that King Nebuchadnezzar had then. You see, he had a tendency to go back to old habits. He went back to where, what he was doing before. He, went, he completely disregarded what God did in his life and threw him in the fire and began to go back to what he used to be doing. So um, my, my wife's family, they live by uh, Jennings High School, right? And if you guys have been by, around that area anytime recently, you guys know that there's a lot of road construction happening in that area. Um, and y'all, when I tell you that this road construction makes me feel dumb is an understatement. <laughs> Like ever, so we go to her parents' house multiple times a week, like multiple times a week. Um, and every time, every time, every single time, I'm wanting to turn down the road that's closed. Every single time. And I know you guys are with me on that. You're like, like, I know that the people that are like in the house right before the road construction starts are getting so tired of seeing a big green van turn around in their driveway. Cause I'm like, oh my, dang it. Like I have to turn around now. Like, because I forgot that that road was closed. It's gotten so bad that when my wife rides with me, she's like, Dustin, don't turn down the road. Oh yeah, 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 thank you. <laughs> like, because I forget. And, I, as I, and then I still go to turn and she's like, Dustin, Dustin. I'm like, oh yeah, oh yeah. 
It's gotten so bad that literally the other day, I'm throwing my wife under the bus a little bit. Uh, literally the other day, she was like, Dustin, I'm done telling you. Like, I'm, you're not listening. <laughs> like, I'm done telling you that, uh, that you can't turn down there. <laughs> but we have such a bad tendency as a people to go down what we're used to going down, to go down the path that we're used to, what we're familiar with. And I, and, and I understand, I'm there, and I understand I, I'm, I'm there with you. I'm there with you spiritually. I'm also there with you when I'm wanting to turn down that road. But we have to learn to go down new paths. You see, that's what the fire was there for. I don't know if you guys knew that. The trial in your life was to teach you how to go down new paths. See, light shines brightest in dark places. We know that, we understand that. That's the story of Pastor Josh and Lindsay Belt with their story with Joel. To be anchored in Jesus in the tough times. To lean close to Jesus when times get tough. I'm gonna tell you something that is the opposite of what most people tell you. I think it's easier to fo follow God when the fire, when you're in a fire. It's easier to follow God when all the lights are off. It's harder to follow God when the lights are on and you start to rely on yourself a little bit more. You start to find confidence in yourself. It's harder to follow God because when you're in it, you know this, and you have nowhere else to turn and nowhere else to go, and you're like, God, you're it? You're all I have? And I know that you're all I need, and I need you to show up, and he shows up? It's a lot easier to follow God when, when you're going through that. And what that fire is designed to teach you is not just to forget about it when it's done. I mean, that's what James 1 is all about. He says, count it all joy, my brothers, when we go through trials of various kinds. For the testing of your faith produces what? Steadfastness. And let steadfastness take its full effect that we may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Perfect and complete. It does not say perfect and complete, lacking in nothing for a season. It doesn't say that, hey, you should, uh, it's meant to, trials and tribulations and fires are meant to, to uh, are meant to grow you and to create a steadfastness in you just for a season. And then when the fire's done, it's okay, you could forget about it. Like, that's not what this is designed to be. It's designed to test you. It's designed to build you. It's designed to grow you. And not just for a season, but it's designed to grow you for a lifetime. See, light shines brightest in the darkest places. Jesus shines brightest in the darkest places. We know this. You know, I have this light right here. Some of you guys maybe didn't even notice the light because all the lights are on. It's easy to see when we have the lights on. And so this, this light, though it's the most important thing in this room, in this illustration, is hard to find because everything else is on and we can see and we can walk and we can move and it's okay because everything is all right. But what happens when the lights turn off? And this is the only source of light that is here. And this is, it, it becomes a lot more noticeable, doesn't it? That you see it a lot more because this is the source of light 
that we can lean on and we can depend on and we can draw close to. But what happens when the lights turn back on? And we're close to the light because we drew close to it in the fire. We drew close to it in the darkness. We're here, but now I can see. Now I can kind of start depending on myself a little bit more. And so I'm good. I can go over here, right? I'm like, okay, oh, I could see one foot in front of the other now. I'm not seeing, I'm not having to rely as much. I'm not here. I'm not, I'm not where I used to be. And so, oh, okay, I can make this decision or I can do this and I can do that. And I'm way over here. And then what happens when the lights turn back off? I'm far away from the light again. See, what God cultivates in us is for us to lean on him in the trials. Lean on him when there's no more light. Lean on him to light our path when he's the only source of light. And then when the lights turn back on, you're saying, no, I'm staying right here. I'm staying right where I need to be. Because I know that if I venture off, you see, the God is not just there to sustain you when the lights are off and when the fire is on. God is here to sustain you when the lights are back on. He's not here just to sustain you in the fire. He's here to sustain you for after the fire. Because another fire is going to come, and it's going to happen. The question isn't whether or not a fire is going to ha- happen. The question is, where are you going to be when it happens? Are you going to be close to the light? Or are you going to use this season after the fire to start depending on yourself, to start turning to old habits, to start relying on yourself again, to start thinking you have it all together, and then next thing you know, you're far away from the light? We have to learn to lean on God even after the fire. Because it's, it's, it's as if we forget We forget what God did, right? Like we forget that this this light was the, the one that sustained us, the one that got us through it. It's like we forget what God did in the fire, which is another tendency that we have. We have a tendency to forget what God did. So if you're reading in the Bible, you're reading, um, you know, Daniel chapter four, like that we just read. If you, if, like if you open up your Bible and you're reading it, some of you are, and you look at the top, like the heading of that section of Daniel chapter four, it'll actually read, it'll say um, Nebuchadnezzar's second dream. That was his second dream. <laughs> so it's happened once before. Watch, in, in Daniel chapter two, this is his first dream. It says, in the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. So this is Daniel chapter two, before four. His spirit was troubled and his sleep left him. Then the king commanded the what? Magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, the Chaldeans to be summoned to the king, to tell the king his dreams. So they came in and they stood before the king. So he, this, this looks familiar, doesn't it? Right? Like, he did the exact same thing in Daniel chapter four that he did in Daniel chapter two. Why would he, and so I'm gonna save you guys a lot of scripture reading. I'll, I'll, I'll explain to you guys what happens in the rest of Daniel chapter two. So obviously they can't interpret his dream. 
And so he freaks out and he gets angry, just like King Neb always does. And he's about to kill him. Like he's about to just go at it, probably throw him in the, that fiery furnace that uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were in. And he's about to do it. And then right when he's about to do it, Daniel shows up on the scene and he's like, I don't have the interpretation for the dream, but I know a God who does. Here's your interpretation. And begins to interpret his dream. And so Dan, God was the one who moved in his first dream. And yet he still went back to Harry Potter and Dr. Strange in his second dream. Why is that the case? Because he forgot what, he, what God did in the last fire. We have to remember what God did in the first fire. Because if when we remember what God did in the first fire, then we can tell our new fires what God did in our first fire, right? So we could say when something starts to happen and trouble starts to happen and the lights tend to turn off, we could say, you know what? The God who brought me here is the same God that's gonna bring me there. And the God who sustained me in that last fire is the God that's gonna sustain me in this fire. I'm not going anywhere. And so we have to remember what God did in the fire. We need to remember, I'm sorry, we need to remind our small fires what God did in the big fires. You see, we have small fires every day, right? When you go to work, there's some small fires there. When your kid talks back to you, we're getting real here. When you get in a fight with your parents, those are s- some smaller fires. We have a tendency to think that God's only in the big fires and he's not in the small fires. What if we reminded our small fires what God did in the big fires? This is what this looks like. It's, it's as if we're, we're, it's like we're telling God, like when, when we are having a problem with our dad, right? That we get in a fight with our parent. I'm talking about, par- you guys have parents, some of you. I'm used to talking to youth. <laughs> like, they have parent issues, okay? <laughs> but say you have a parent who went through a terminal illness and God healed them. God did the miraculous in their life and healed them from whatever that illness is. And now you find yourself after the fire and you're fighting with them. What you do is you remind that small fire of what God did in the big fire. You say, God, I know you did the miraculous and you healed him in that big fire when I needed you. I depended on you and you showed up in that big fire. So when I go to work um, and, and I'm fighting and I'm having a bad time with my boss, then you're going to show up here too. You did not heal my dad for us to have a broken relationship. You healed him physically. You can heal us relationally. You healed me physically and so you can heal my family relationally. You could bring my son back to you. You could bring my daughter back to you because you did the miraculous in my life and I know you could do the miraculous now. But we forget, we forget what God did and so we we don't have that ability to do that. We don't have the ability to, to remind ourselves of what God did. You want to, you want to, you want to get to this place. You know what you do? You write down what God did in your life. 
all the miracles that God's done, all the times that he showed up, you write that down. You know what you do? You put it on your mirror in the morning. You put it on your uh, dash in your car. You set it as your wallpaper in your phone so you can remember of God's faithfulness when you feel like he hasn't, he's not been faithful. We, ha- we think that God is only in the big fires. That he's not even in the, like, he helped me here, and so he's done. It's almost like, you know, they have that, the, that parenting method that, like, you know, the, uh, the child who gets the most attention is the one who needs the most attention, right? And so, like, you know, if, if you're not, uh, like, if a child's going through something, they're going to get the parents most atten- the, the attention of the parents. That's not the case with God. That he's not just here to help you when you're going through something really tough and then he steps back and he's like, all right, you got it now. Like he wants to help you just as much in the everyday fires. He wants to help you every day. But we, have a ten, we, we think that God's not in it. We think that God's not with us. That God was only here, but he's not here. Can I tell you something? The Hebrews 13 says that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God didn't change because you're out of a fire. You did. You began to get a little bit more prideful, a little bit more arrogant, a little bit thinking that you could figure it out and you can go on your own and you can do your own thing. But that is the problem with us after the fire. We have to remember what God did. We have to allow God to work in all aspects of our life. Every single one, not just the fire, not just the fire parts of our life, but every aspect of our life. Which leads me to another tendency we have. We have a tendency to see God just as a fire extinguisher. You know, that was King Nebuchadnezzar's actual problem that was his root problem, is God was just a God of the fire. God wasn't the God over his dreams. He categorized God. God wasn't just, God wasn't his Lord. He was his fire extinguisher. And I think us as a people, we have to move past a fire extinguisher Christianity. I'm gonna call some people out here for a second, that you may be here in this church this morning because you're going through a fire, but you hadn't been here in four months because you weren't going through a fire. You see, we have to stay close to the light. We have to stay close to God. We have to lean on God. He has to have all aspects of our life and not just use him as, a, as someone that uh, is a fire extinguisher. Here's what you need to know. Jesus is not just your sustainer. He's also your creator. And more than that, he's your savior. That he came and he died for you. And and that right there, his sacrifice on the cross, and even more than that, his, his sustaining ability in the fire should not cause us to just treat him like a fire extinguisher. We should treat him like Lord of our lives. He deserves every aspect of our life. He deserves all of it. The fire should not just cause you to uh, lean on God in the fire. It should lead to a life dependency on him. 
But we don't do that. We treat him like a fire extinguisher, that he's only there in the fires. Watch what Psalm 145 says. It says, I will extol, extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised and his greatness is unsearchable. Here's what you need to know. The God that you met in the fire is only a fraction of who God is. It's only a fraction, that closeness, that comfort, because the Bible says that God's a comforter. The Holy Spirit is a comforter. That comfort you felt, that closeness you felt, that joy you felt in that fire is only a fraction of who God is. You want more of that? You want more of God? Like start pursuing God outside of the fires. Start pursuing God in all aspects of your life. You know, I tell people all the time and it freaks them out. Um, I, say, I say, don't put God first in your life. Don't do it. And people are like, what? Don't put God first? Like who says that? But here's the problem with putting God first is he becomes a category. And so, uh, and so if he's first in your life, you could be like, all right, God, I'm gonna put you first. All right, your first check. All right, now I can go and do whatever I wanna do. See, the reality is, is God has to be the center of our lives. And everything that we do should be out of our relationship with Jesus. When we go to work, it's out of our relationship with Jesus. When we parent, it's out of our relationship with Jesus. When we're dealing with lost loved ones, it's out of our relationship for Jesus. Every day, everything we do should be out of our relationship with Jesus. When we live that kind of lifestyle, God is not just a fire extinguisher God, but he is our Lord and he deserves all of it. And we see God in all of it because he's in the moving and all of it. Because he's in the little fires too. And so we have to move past just leaning on God in the fires and learn and have to, the tendency to lean on God every single day. Stay close to God every day. Depend on him every day. And just like I said, inevitably when another fire comes, because it will, you're right where you need to be. You're right there by the light because you're depending on him in everything. And so fires can come your way. Storms can come your way. Your life can be shaken up, but you won't be shaken because you're right where you need to be because you're depending on God with not just part of your life, but all of your life, no matter what gets thrown your way. And the other tendency that we need, we have to get, is that we have to remember that we are a fire survivor. Many of you have gone through some serious fires. Some serious fires in your life. Here's the truth. You need to start acting like it. You are a fire survivor. Us in here, we have gotten through, we have gotten past the fires in our life.
If we started acting like fire survivors at OSC Jennings, I'm telling you, watch Jeff Davis perish, change. Because when we understand, when we live in a fire survivor mentality, that we survived a fire, then we can lead other people out of fires as well. So not only are we fire, not only are we fire survivors, but we're firefighters. And we are leading other people out of the fire. We could go to people who are in the same fire we were in, and we could say, hey, guess what? There's a light at the end of the tunnel. I've been through it. He has a name, and his name is Jesus. What would it look like if we started living as if we are out of the fire, that God has brought us out of the fire. I'll tell you this, Jeff Davis Parish wouldn't be known for its drug problem anymore because people wouldn't be turning to drugs. They wouldn't be turning to the bottle anymore, that they wouldn't be turning to that website, that we would be understanding that we have a dependency on God and he's all we need. We don't need any of that other stuff. I think some of us in here need to hear that I think some of us in here need to go and tell other people that. <laughs> you don't need, I mean, you need to go and tell other people about the sustainability of Jesus and how he can, he's gotten you through the fire. He can get them through the fire too. What would it look like? we depended on God and leaned on God and told other people about Jesus. I'm telling you, Jeff Davis Parish wouldn't be the same. And so with every head bowed and eyes closed, no looking around. Maybe you're in here and you're that person that I was talking about. Maybe you were close to the light at one point Maybe you went through a fire and you were close to the light and everything was, you depended on it, on him, on Jesus. And then the lights turned back on and now you found yourself walking off, veering off away from of who Jesus is. And you realize that and you knew that, know that today. I'm gonna count to three. And on three, I want you to raise your hand. If you can be close to the light today, you can draw close to him. It just takes one decision. One, you can get close to the light today. Two, if that's you today, I want you to raise your hand right now. Three, if you were close, if you were firefighter, if you were in a fire and you wanna draw close to God, okay, I see you, I see you. I see you. I see you. Maybe you're in here and you're like, man, this is actually new to me. I've actually never been close to the light, but I need to be. And you, and you know that and you acknowledge that. You're like, man, I've never been close to Jesus. I've never been there. I've never felt his sustainability. I've never felt his love, but I felt it this morning. And now I know that I wanna commit my life to him. If that's you, if that's you, raise your hand right now. No looking around. Can everyone pray this with me? God, we thank you for leading us out of the fire. 
that you are our sustainer and you are our savior. You don't, you didn't only save us from the fire, but you saved us from ourselves. And so we commit our lives to you, all of our lives, every single bit. I pray these things in Jesus' name.